In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass this Sunday. With mail-in voting already underway here in the United States, we're coincidentally talking about rulers and governors in this weekend's readings. And I want to devote the most amount of our time to our first reading. Once again, we're in the book of Isaiah. Yet now, unlike the last handful of weeks, we're in the second album of Isaiah the Rapper. Chapters 1 through 39 made up Isaiah's first book, or album of sorts. The setting for the first album is prior to the exile of the Israelites. Yet this weekend, we moved on to Isaiah's second album, chapters 40 through 55. In the second album, Isaiah's setting for his poems slash raps is during the exile. But hold up, what are we talking about with exile here? Well, remember that after the Israelites wandered in the desert from Egypt, then they entered the Promised Land. After some blissful centuries there, the Babylonians showed up and marched them out of the land into captivity. This was more or less around 500 BC. It's in this captivity, this exile, that Isaiah is writing his second album. And what's he talking about in his second album? That the Lord God has not abandoned Israel, even though it might appear so. Because, obviously, they're no longer in the promised land. Enter our first reading for this weekend. Isaiah has a message for a king named Cyrus. Cyrus is the founder of the Persian Empire, and this is the nation that will liberate the Israelites from their exile and allow them to travel back to the Promised Land. There's a lot of backstory here, so I want to make sure we've got it down. The Israelites are outside of the Promised Land. The Babylonians brought them there. They're waiting for someone, a Messiah, to set them free and bring them back. And as history tells us, Cyrus the Persian king ends up becoming that person. In fact, Cyrus becomes a Messiah of sorts for the Israelites. That's exactly what Isaiah says in the first line of the first reading this weekend. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, Cyrus. This is the Hebrew word for Messiah, a word usually only reserved for Israel's high priest or king. Think David or Solomon. Cyrus, with no relation to Billy Ray or Miley, is a character whom we will continue to meet as we progress through the scriptures. Suffice it for now to say that he's an unexpected Messiah that brings liberation to Israel. And our first reading is that even though Cyrus does not know the Lord God, the Lord God knows Cyrus, and in fact is the one from whom Cyrus has gained all of his military power. From there, we move on to our second reading. The last few weekends we've been hearing from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. But now we're on to a different letter, his first letter to the Thessalonians. In fact, our second reading this Sunday is the very beginning of that letter, the first five verses. Here's the backstory on this letter. St. Paul, of course, traveled throughout the world to spread the gospel message, and we can call his travels his missionary journeys. Well, on his second journey, he traveled through the region of what we know today as Greece, joined by Timothy and Silvanus, two of his companions. He goes first to Philippi, and then goes to a city called Thessalonica. There, a sort of riot takes place when his message about Jesus isn't too well received. So he and his companions have to leave the city. They travel to Athens, and then from there they split up as Paul heads for Corinth. But Timothy goes back to Thessalonica. There, when Timothy finishes revisiting Thessalonica, he meets back up with Paul, likely in Corinth, and tells him about this revisit. 
And after hearing about this from Timothy, Paul then writes his first letter to the Thessalonians. Phew! Again, like the first reading, there's a lot of backstory here. So the TLDR version is this. Paul, Timothy, and Silvanus have been to Thessalonica before. Timothy goes back to visit again, and when he tells Paul in a different city about this revisit, Paul writes 1 Thessalonians. And all of this is important because, as we see in our second reading, Paul uses language that specifically calls to mind his experience with the Thessalonians. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, remembering you in our prayers, and also unceasingly calling to mind your work of faith and labor of love. He's remembering specific memories here. And of course, our excerpt finishes with him talking about when the gospel came to the Thessalonians, not only in word alone, but also in power and the Holy Spirit. He's speaking literally here. With just a brief moment, we'll take a look at the gospel. The most important context of the gospel passage this weekend is the question of taxes. The Roman Empire enforced a poll tax that required every man, woman, and slave from 12 to 65 to pay the government simply because they existed. The Pharisees want Jesus to make a public statement on this tax, knowing that they can trap him. If he opposes the tax, he'll be in trouble with the Romans. But if he supports the tax, he'll lose the support of many Jews who suffer under the burden of the tax and want a Messiah who speaks against it. Jesus deftly avoids the trap altogether, saying that the tax ought to be paid because it's using the emperor's coin to begin with. Give to man what is man, and God what is God's. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this week, the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time of Year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.